It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. You're listening to Anita Mark on 98.7 ESPN. Anita Mark's with you for the next uh, three hours. Uh, Got a good show lined up for you. A lot of NBA talk, obviously, with um, all that has uh, transpired the last uh, 48 hours um, plus. Bobby Marks is going to be joining us in about 10 minutes, so excited to get him on and do a deep dive into uh, the landscape of uh, where everything stands right now. And some of the latest, by the way, um, that's that's happened overnight, or maybe um, you haven't heard, Zion agrees to a five-year, $193 million deal with the Pelicans, brings it up to potentially a $231 million deal, which it just blows my mind. Dude can't stay healthy. He's still dealing with a foot injury, hasn't played in, in, in a year, and uh, he gets a five-year, 193. I, I, I just, I, I can't, I, like, I can't. I can't. I don't, I, I can't wait to talk to Bobby about that. Um, of course, yesterday uh, we had found out Gobert, um, or was it the day before yesterday? He's going to the T Wolves, joining forces with uh, with Towns. Uh, I do like that move, uh, but being paid a, a boatload of money as well. Boston got better. Brogdon, that's who they get. And also, there's talk and speculation that Gallinari, remember that dude, uh, Knicks fans, uh, could potentially join Boston as well. So Boston just um, getting better, uh, getting better depth. And that's one thing that they definitely needed uh, this year as to why they fell short. One of the reasons why they fell short in not winning a championship and understandably so as to why Boston is now favored uh, to win the championship. Let me bring that up. What's that at right now? Just to take a look. Yep. Uh, Plus 550 Boston favored to win the championship next year. Uh, They've been making money moves. Getting Brogdon, I think, was was really a, a big key for them. What's happening here in our own backyard and what's the latest is that uh, Kyrie, as we know, Kyrie wants to go to the Lakers and unfortunately has uh, removed any leverage that the Nets would have to be able to trade him anywhere where they're going to get the best value because he's got a one-year deal and so teams are going to be reluctant to offer the Nets what the Nets would potentially want and, and ask for and, 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 and deserve in regard to Kyrie because teams know, and Kyrie has made it evident, that he, his final destination, is going to be with the Lakers. So like um, so let's just say, just you know, to play this out, I'm the Nets and I have Kyrie, and um, you know, you are uh What's a team out there? I'm just going to throw out a team. I don't know. Um, bah, 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 bah. You're Detroit. And, um, and I'm, you know, you, you really want Kyrie, but you know that if he comes to Detroit, he's only going to be there for one year. And then he's going to bolt because really at the end of the day, he wants to go to the Lakers. So now what are you going to say to me? Listen, we're, we're, we're only getting Kyrie for one year. There's no chance to, um, to romance him. There's no chance for him to fall in love with this organization, fall in love with, um, you know, this fan base or, or this roster. We know that we're only going to get him for one year. So therefore, what are we, what are we really realistically going to offer? Not as much as you would if, if a team really thought that 
they were getting Kyrie not just for this year, but he would agree to um, a contract extension more than one year. Maybe he gets him for two years, three years, whatever the case may be. But that's not the case. And so what's happening now is, is the, uh, the Nets have no leverage at all. And so they've just, they've got to cut off their nose despite their, or they don't want to cut off their nose despite their face. Uh, they want to get something for Kyrie. And since the Lakers is where he wants to land, uh, reports are uh, that the Lakers and the Nets are in deep conversation to make this happen. Now, where, where do they stand? Uh, and, and again, I'm, I'm excited to get Bobby Marks on in about five minutes. Um, I'm sure he's got his finger on the pulse of this better uh, than, than anyone but what I'm hearing is that the Lakers would send Westbrook to the Nets along with two firsts, possibly the 2027 and 2029 firsts. Um, the, also, the Nets want to include, with Kyrie, Joe Harris in his $38.6 million deal. But the Lakers don't want Joe Harris. They want Seth Curry. So could the deal be... Kyrie, Seth Curry, Royce O'Neal, of course, who they just signed uh, just a day or two ago. That could be it. But apparently the Nets want to include Joe Harris in the deal to get the $38.6 million off the books. But again, from what I understand, the Lakers have their eye on Seth Curry. Listen, they were a horrible three-point shooting team. So I totally understand why they would want Seth Curry. Not that Joe Harris is a bad three-point shooter. But, um, you know, he does have that ankle injury, and so there's a concern there. So that's where that stands. Um, we're going to take a quick break so we can come back. I want to get uh, Bobby Marks on as soon as possible because there is a lot to dive into. And then we will open up the phone lines, and we can all discuss being more in the know after Bobby. Anita Marks with you, 98.7 ESPN. Uh, without further ado, Bobby Marks joins us. Bobby, so great for you to join us on this holiday weekend. I know how hard you've been working. You've been all over ESPN, so please know how much we appreciate your time. Good morning. Hello, Anita. Good morning. How are you? I'm, I'm great. I'm great. Uh, wh- where to begin? Um, and, and why don't we just start, <laughs> right? I, I mean... We got well, we three hours? <laughs> I know. Let's, let's start right there uh, in regard to Kyrie Irving wanting to go to the Lakers. Uh, you know, Fill us in. Uh, what have you heard? What do you know? And, and what would entail in, in this deal? Well, I mean, it's, it's complex. It's, it's not simple. I mean, first of all, Brooklyn would, would never do a Kyrie Irving for Russell Westbrook swap straight up. I mean, that's, I think we can just take that off the equation, off the, off the map here. I think the other thing would be, you know, Irving makes $37 million. Westbrook makes 47. The math doesn't work. Uh, Irving's got a trade bonus in his contract worth $5 million. So you can do it straight up if you add that trade bonus to the deal. But here, here's the problem. By Brooklyn doing that deal, it, it adds about $70 million to your luxury tax bill just for that trade alone. So if you're Brooklyn, you know, it, I would think you would, you would, it would cost at least two first-round picks. I mean, that's the only thing that the Lakers could offer, which was in 2027 and 2029. I, I don't see uh, Seth Curry or, or Joe Harris kind of as – fillers to, to, to make a deal work maybe harris because he's got salary owed so so i just think the notion that a, a westbrook for irving swap and maybe it's coming from the the west coast is going to happen straight up i just it's not it's not i mean unless there's some draft compensation added to that got it um you know so and and, and let's just let's let's unpack like how how we got here and just to confirm um 
you know, Kyrie letting letting all of the NBA know that his final destination is the Lakers is really um, handcuffing the Nets and giving them leverage in in the in the opportunity and possibility of them trading him to a different team that they they would find more value. Correct, because teams are like he only has a one year deal. We get him. Yeah. We're not going to give up a lot because at the end of the day, he's going to head to the West Coast after one year. Is that correct? Yeah, I mean that's that's. That's correct. I mean, I think in essence, Kyrie Irving in general doesn't have much value from a trade standpoint. I mean, certainly there's no team out there willing to sacrifice um, a lot of draft capital, certainly not young players. You know, maybe there's teams out there that would give up a couple rotational players. I think for Brooklyn, it will depend on um, are you willing to take back money that goes back, goes stretches out into the future years, especially if uh, maybe if Kevin Durant is traded and you're retooling this roster here. So, I didn't think he had much val- trade value to begin with, even if the demands, or I guess not demands, but the, the thought process that he wanted to go to the Lakers. Hey, and he, he could have gone to the Lakers, right? He could have been a Laker right now, but he would have to leave $38 million on the table, $30 million on the table, right? He could have done that. He could have done that last week and opted out of his contract and done the, that would have been the easiest way. And I think everybody would have probably been happy in Brooklyn and he would have been happy in LA here. But now he opted into his contract and, um, you know, I don't think there's a guarantee to, that he's going to the, to the Lakers unless, of course, Los Angeles is, as I said, is going to give up two probably significant assets. Is is there an opportunity, like a chance that a third team gets involved in this or no? No, this is a little bit more, probably more straight up. I think with Kevin Durant, I think that's going to probably be, um, you know, when we eventually see it or maybe we don't see it. I think Durant is more complicated. I think that's probably where you see three and four teams just because of, there's so many moving parts with that, whether it be Phoenix and Brooklyn, the inability to acquire DeAndre Ayton in a trade, or uh, Miami with Bam Adebayo, the inability to acquire him in a trade because of having Ben Simmons on the roster. So it's like a four-step domino. You know, it's like trying to do a Rook's cube, and one side works and the other side doesn't, right? So um, I would say if, if you know, when we do see Kyrie Irving eventually traded, it probably is, you know, a, you know, a simple two-team, uh, two-team deal with with Durant. It's 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 certainly more complex. Um, before we get into what's going on with KD, Brian Winhurst at one point this week said that there is a way that the Lakers could trade for both KD and Westbrook. But I, I mean, KD and Kyrie. But I would imagine that that would have to include AD, right? Like, do you envision? Uh, a possibility of that as well. Well, I mean, I think if 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 the Lakers are willing, to, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say this tongue in cheek. I think if the Lakers are willing to put LeBron in deal, I think Brooklyn would do that. LeBron and, and Westbrook, <laughs> you know. But I don't think I don't think a Westbrook Anthony Davis deal has any appeal at all to Brooklyn, um, especially when they're limited on what draft assets they go. Now, maybe if, if Davis goes somewhere else to a third team, and then that's the ability to bring back more to the Nets. But those two players, if Davis doesn't fit. I think what people have to realize is that Davis doesn't fit what Brooklyn is trying to do. Like, you know, guys like Anthony Davis and DeMar DeRozan, I'm just throwing at, like the old, older, more established players, if you're going to, like, basically not somewhat tear it down and rebuild and retool – you want to do it around players like Mikael Bridges, younger players, maybe DeAndre Ayton, younger players here, guys that are Scotty Barnes in Toronto um, on rookie contracts that are controllable. You don't you don't want players in their early 30s um, because there's no there's no building block off that. 
Got you. Bobby Marks joining us here on 98.7 ESPN. Okay, let's turn our attention to what's going on with KD. As we know, and it's been reported for the last 48 plus hours, landing places for him. He wants to go to Phoenix. He wants to go to the Heat. He wants to go to a team that um, sounds like where he's not going to have a city where he doesn't have to pay a lot of taxes and an opportunity <laughs> and an opportunity to win. But at the same time, it's kind of like what we hear is from Stephen A. Smith and a number of other people is, but you know, because he's got that four-year deal and he is KD, yeah. arguably the best player in the NBA, what the Nets want to get back for him is going to take away play. They're going to get picks, but it's also going to take away players that are, I believe, enticing for KD to go there in the first place to try to win a championship. So how is no, I mean, how is this going to how is this going to play out? I mean, you saw it back in oh, 2011 when Carmelo was traded to um, New York, right? I mean, you saw what it took to, to get a player like that at the time. It, it gutted the Knicks roster and draft picks and everything like that. And um, you're right. I mean, you saw with the Rudy Gobert trade to Minnesota. That's all right. So there's four first-round picks at the minimum that Brooklyn's going to get back. Now, to get to that $44 million number, it's going to cost $36, $37 million in, in, in salary. So what's left of the roster when Durant gets to Phoenix or Miami? Not much. Um, in both situations, they're so complex. I mean, yeah, Brooklyn can't acquire in, in in a signing trade because of hard cap. Basically, you got to find a third team, or Kyrie has got to go somewhere and, and no salaries taken back. We've talked about at length um, with uh, Miami, with, uh, with Bam Adebayo. Can't be traded for Durant straight up because the Nets have Ben Simmons on the roster, and you can't have two players that were signed to this designated rookie extension here. So it's a, it's a complex situation. Then the other thing you need is that there's only 11 teams in the NBA that control all their first round picks. I mean, you, you see all these, you know, teams that don't have them, whether it be, you know, teams like golden state and um, you know, certainly Philadelphia is another team. So that's, you know, so now you're targeting like Toronto, New Orleans, teams like that. So, I think it's it's not just Miami and Phoenix. When a guy has a no trade clause, you open it up to all 29 teams. Give me your best offer, and if the be, if the best offer isn't there, then I think for Brooklyn, you just say, you know what, we'll go into training camp with Kevin Durant on the roster, right? He's got four years left on his contract. We'll figure out if there's a deal that makes sense down the road. We're not forced to do anything right now. Wow. Um, so so I had an interesting call yesterday, um, you know, because because what we're hearing is right. The value of KD is is it's not just because of what a great NBA player he is, Bobby, but also the fact that he does have the four years on his deal. Yeah. And so I had an interesting call who said, what does the four years mean? He's got four years right now. And the Nets are, are, you know, their their backs are to the wall now. Having what what does a four year deal mean for a guy like Kevin Durant? Granted, like there's one percent of the NBA right of the NBA players that have this kind of cachet, who have this type of power, that a four year deal really doesn't mean much if they're demanding that they want out. But but the caller's right. So I'm going to throw that question back to you. Right. Like, yeah. so what if, if you're, you know, if, if you're Phoenix or, or you're the heat and you're, and you're like, Hey, listen, I want four picks and I want this player and I want that player. Not only are you getting Kevin Durant, but you're getting him for four years. Don't you think the response is going to be like what, what the caller said yesterday? What does, what does four years deal mean for Kevin Durant? It, it doesn't mean yeah. much. Yeah. yeah. That's a good call. I mean, it's basically the, the trans, the transfer portal of the NBA, right? what we're seeing as far as guys committing somewhere, guy committing to college, and then two years later, I want to go to USC. I want to go to Texas. Um, I think it's, 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 you're, he's right, uh, it's a, but it's a little bit different than 
Durant being on an expiring contract like Kawhi was when he went went to Toronto, where basically they lost him for nothing. At the at the, at the very least, if let's say he's asked if he's traded to Phoenix, um, you know, and he asked out again in a year from now or two, at least you have him under contract and you can kind of flip him again. I don't know if the value will be as high as it probably is right now. So, so it is a little bit different, but I, I, Hey, I get it. I understand that, you know, we all say, Oh, he's under contract for four years. But as you said, what does a contract mean these days? That doesn't mean anything, especially when a player can ask to be traded, a player that gives his commitment to him. Um, But on the flip side, I think if you're the Nets, you're probably in a better situation right now than if Durant was a free agent, like he could have been like, um, like Kyrie, you know, could have been a free agent. James Harden could have been a free agent this off season here. So, um, but it's a good call and it makes sense. And I, I certainly understand what thinking of people are. Again, Bobby Marks joining us here on 98.7 ESPN. Uh, let's just say hypothetically speaking, um, you know, a deal cannot be uh, created. And, and, and let's say the scenario happens that, that you just shared with us. All right, we're going to go into camp with Kevin Durant as a former executive like how, how, you know, it's gotta be so unhealthy, right? Like I hear how professional Kevin Durant is. I hear how hard he works, mm-hmm. but if, if you know that he wants out, I mean, you know, how stressful of a situation is that, that, you know, that you are going to have camp open and, and, and you're going to have him um, at your facility. I would say, yeah, it's a good, that's a good question. I think as long as you're kind of open with Durant and his representatives, as far as like, hey, here are the trade packages, right? And it's 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 probably not eye you know popping as far as like we're not going to just trade you for fifty cents on the dollar. We will continue to work with you, and if something makes sense, we're going to do it. Um, I think it would certainly be more unhealthy if Kyrie Irving's there in in, uh, in late September. I don't I don't I need mean, I don't see any way he's going to be in training camp, even if there is no trade to be made here. I, it's hard for me to think that. So. I think with uh, if there's not a deal and, and Durant is there, I think there is a, a workable solution. You know, as long as you're, as long as there's a good communication between both sides, that's hey, we're trying, we're trying, but there's nothing that any, there's nothing that's been presented to us that we're just going to kind of give you away. Um, I I find it all so so very interesting and in, in wondering how this is all going to play out. Also, before we move on, really quick, because I just want to get your thoughts on some of the other moves that have been sure. made. Um, you know, what's being reported here by a number of people is, is, you know, when I ask, how did we get here? How did this all go wrong? And what's being reported is, A, Kyrie not getting vaxxed, and B, the team and the organization allowing him to play on the road. Um, Harden couldn't get, get out of there fast enough. So with that being said, why, if, if, it, if it began with, with Kyrie, why would KD even want to continue to be his teammate? That, that, that's what I don't understand here. Yeah, I mean, I think how we got here, and I think it's it's a lesson for everyone, is that when you're building the big three um, or big three, that you need at least one of them to be a leader, right? You need one of them to have a strong voice in the locker room, um, not three players that basically are kind of on their own agenda. And I think we saw that in Brooklyn with, with all three players, including James Harden. It was different in Miami because you had Dwayne Wade there when LeBron and Bosch got there, different in Boston with Pierce when Garnett and Alan Rayon got there. And um, I think that was the big thing as far as, you know, Kevin Durant never stood up this year and said, wait a minute, like I'm not putting up with Kyrie Irving in the situation or I'm not dealing with James Harden not being in shape. Um, and he didn't. I mean, and that's his personality, and that's the reality of it here. And that's when 
that's when things start to dissolve a little bit when one of these three players don't have a voice or or, or not have that leadership role. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's just, listen, I'm not complaining. This has made my job really, really fun the last few days before we let you go. It's the let's... greatest. What? Yeah. I mean, it's the greatest. <laughs> I, I mean, I guess it's a, it's a disappointment for NBA for Nets fan. It's the greatest mystery that of what could have been right. I mean, like you, I mean, it's, I've never seen literally in any sports, any of these, you know, any team, what is going on right now and what's gone on the last year. And, 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 um, and, and I've seen everything. Nita. Like, trust me, I've seen everything. I've never seen what's going on right now. It's, and, and it's, it really is a shame as well. Right. Because um, just, just to kind of sit back and, and really envision and, and really digest just how great, all three of those guys would have been together. Um, you know, you just, you just, you, your mind just, just really, really wonders um, how unstoppable they could have been and how many championships they could have brought to, to Brooklyn. Uh, really quick before I let you go, Zion mm-hmm. five year, $193 million mm-hmm. extension deal could uh, elevate up to 231. Hasn't, he hasn't played. He's injury prone. We heard about this when he was coming out of Duke. I, I just I don't understand. I don't understand this deal. Like, yeah. if if I'm if I'm New Orleans, I've got some major concerns here about his health issues. Yet I'm 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 giving him 193 million dollars. I, I think the the more we probably learn about the, the contract down the road here, um, we'll see if it's you know fully guaranteed. I think David Griffin, their president of basketball ops, he went on the record and said, you know, hey, Zion's a max player, but at the end of the day, we have to protect what the best interest of the organization is going to be. And I think certainly for a Pelicans team that's under the Saints umbrella, you, I mean, you see how NFL contracts are structured, right? As far as, you know, there's a guarantee portion and there's not a guarantee portion. And if a player gets injured, it's contingent on things. And I haven't seen, you know, I haven't seen the contract. I haven't seen anything about it. Um, so I think on the back end, I would be compar- careful thinking, oh my God, we're stuck with 193 million if he gets hurt and stuff like that. So it's, a, it's certainly a risk, of course, because we haven't seen him on the court in a in a year here. But as I said, when he is healthy, he's a he's a max player. Um, but I do think at the end there'll probably be some type of you know uh, you know probably some type of contingency there. And last but not least, I love what Boston's doing. Ad Brogdon uh, reports are that Malinari. Uh, Gallinari is is going to join them as well, so they haven't lost anything. They're building depth, looking to come back and try to win it next year. And, and the experience that their young team did get through the playoffs, I think, was priceless. They're favored to win the NBA championship next year at plus three thirty. Um, how good do you feel about Houston, about Boston heading into next, this this coming season? I feel really good. I mean, they gave they Brogdon. They didn't really have to give up anything instead of in. in um you know, just a first round pick here. I mean, I think Boston, I think Philly has gotten better, um, you know, with, with Tucker and house, um, Harden will be back. Um, East, the, the, um, the, uh, Atlantic division is going to be really, really good. Uh, when you look there, but Boston, Boston certainly has, has improved, uh, with, with the Brogdon trade. I, I really, I, I love, I love what Boston's done. And, and I know you and I talked about it uh, earlier this week. I, I love what the Hawks did as well. Uh, Bobby, again, thank you so much for spending time with us this morning. I so appreciate your time. Um, happy 4th of July weekend to you and your family. Thanks, Anita. You too. 
you got it. I know we've been spending a lot of time talking about the Nets and what's going on and what's the latest there. Of course, waiting to see what happens, what kind of unbelievable, magnificent deal the Nets could uh, put together for KD. And, and we had Bobby Marks on earlier talking about a, more than likely a third team is uh, is is going to be needed to to make a certain that that certain deal happen. Um, Kyrie looks like. Uh, Chances are, more than likely, he'll end up in L.A. with the Lakers, but also Bleacher Report is reporting uh, that, that the 76ers and the Mavs are also interested in Kyrie Irving. So what's going on with the Knicks? Uh, what do we know? Well, of course, we know that they did sign Jalen Brunson to a four-year, $104 million deal. So what is this roster going to look like with Brunson? Uh, Brunson obviously play, playing the one, the point guard. Um, and then who's the two? Right now it's Fournier. But I do believe Fournier is going get, to get traded. Why? You know, Brunson is a solid defensive player. He's not a fantastic defensive player, and neither is Fournier. So you don't want to backcourt, especially, I would imagine, Tibbs, who prides himself on, on great defenses and coaching teams with great defenses. Um, I, I just I don't think that's the backcourt that, um, that he envisions for this team uh, this coming season. So I do expect Fournier to be traded. If he is traded and there's not somebody else who the Knicks bring in, and I'm going to get to that in a minute, then quickly and Grimes more than likely will advance and, and be your shooting guards, uh, your starting shooting guards on this roster. Of course, you have R.J. Barrett, Julius Randle, and of course, uh, Mitchell Robinson, who they agreed to that four-year $60 million deal, which is uh, which I'm really happy about. I like Robinson a lot. Um, and, and I don't think enough is being discussed about the signing of Isaiah Hartenstein. Um, he is, he will be the backup center on this team. Here's something you're like, Anita, maybe some of you haven't even heard of this cat, right? And like, uh, why should Knicks fans be excited about a backup center? Well, pound for pound, minute for minute, um, the best statistically of any player in the NBA. What do I mean by that? He averages 18 minutes a game, and in those 18 minutes, he averages eight points, five rebounds, two assists, and a block a game. He shoots 62% from the field. So he's extremely effective. So, you know, again, I say pound for pound, uh, let's just say minute by minute, um, the most productive NBA player out there. And, uh, and he will more than likely be the backup center. So I, I think Knicks fans should be excited about that. Um, so, so as of right now, this is, this is what we can anticipate, right, for this roster. So Brunson, R.J. Barrett, Randall, Robinson, as of, as of right now, Fournier. I do believe that he's going to be traded, but only time will tell. So I don't know, is that quickly? Um, I believe so. Grimes also, as well as we know, plays, um, plays the two spot. Um, Toppin, as we know, Gibson, Reddish, and, and Hartenstein, who, again, I'm, I'm, I'm big on that signing. But who else could be added to this roster? Well, there's a lot of talk and speculation that Donovan Mitchell could be it. Now, he was at a Mets game um, here this weekend, and that was what was trending big time on social media. What would it take to get, to get Donovan Mitchell? Well, uh, reports out there that for sure since Gobert went for three first-round draft picks. Mitchell's absolutely got to go for four. Um, you know, we know that this is a Knicks team. They've got 11 first-round draft picks and eight second-round draft picks in the next seven years. So 
I'm going to, I'm going to throw this out here, you know, add, add Donovan Mitchell uh, to that backcourt along with Brunson. Just imagine what a great NBA roster that would be for this Knicks team. If it was Mitchell Brunson, Barrett Robinson. Now here's the thing. I, I know Knicks fans want Julius Randall gone. I, I don't, <laughs> I'm not that I'm a Julius Randall apologist, um, I know that, you know, the way that he handled his frustrations this year uh, with Knicks fans did not go over very well, and, and rightfully so. I, I mean, you know, shooting the bird and, and, you know, all the other things that his frustration um, made him do uh, this past season, uh, you know, I, I think definitely could have been handled better. But I understand where the fr- frustration came from for Julius Randle. The year prior to that, I mean, you know, he was the king of New York and, um, you know, great leader. The, the Knicks were, you know, winning, winning ball games and exceeding, exceeding expectation, made it into the first round of the playoffs, hosted the first round of the playoffs against the Atlanta Hawks, unfortunately lost. And, and Julius had a horrible, uh, series, that series, and then picked up where he left off. And I, but I don't feel that a lot of that was his fault. Right. Like, I, I think I think a big reason why he I think there's a number of reasons why the Knicks uh, were not great last year. Number one, I think without having Robinson on the court because of all his injuries, as well as not having a legit true point guard in Derrick Rose and him missing the majority of this year, the, the season. I think those two things really uh, were a recipe for disaster for this Knicks team. And also the addition of Kimball Walker and Fournier and the, st- the style of offense that they played did not benefit the style of, of game that Julius Randle has. So how does that change this season? Uh, if he does stay on this team, I- I'm, I'm expecting bigger and better things for Julius Randle. But again, I know that Knicks fans, there's a number of Knicks fans out there that just want to see him. Don't let the door hit you in the butt on your way out. I get it. I understand. But, you know, would... Four first-round draft picks and Julius Randle sent to um, the to to uh, for the exchange for the trade with Donovan Mitchell. Um, would that do it for you? Eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. I I would love to see Donovan Mitchell uh, join this this organization and uh, and play alongside Brunson. I I think that would be tremendous. But Knicks fans, what are you willing to give up? For him, 800-919-3776. Again, I know the majority of you are like, yeah, send Julius Randle. Does, here's another question. Does, how, much, how much value does Julius Randle have considering the way that uh, he, he, his play was subpar in that series against Atlanta two years ago in the postseason and really a, a very lackluster season last year? Um, you know, is there value? Is there worth there if, if, if the Knicks were to offer Julius Randle um, and four first-round draft picks for Donovan Mitchell? I don't know. Would they need to throw in a top-in? Would they need to throw in a quickly? 800-919-3776. We'll take your calls next. David, I see you first up. Anita Marks with you on this Sunday morning. It is Sunday. Here on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs> This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. 
Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. 800-919-3776. Let's go to your calls. Ronald in Hillside. Welcome in. Good morning. Good morning. I appreciate the call. Uh, taking your ticket, my call. I listened to what you were saying about the Knicks. I've been a Knicks fan for years, so I get laughed at and everything else. This problem that I got that you said about the center that they just hired for two years, everybody forgets about Sims. Sims played good this season for the Knicks, Mm -hmm. and that's the problem with the Knicks. The Knicks don't play their young guys. They don't give them a chance. They draft them, they sit them on the bench, and they just sit there. Now I'm going to talk to you about what you said about Randolph. When you said, I would keep Randolph, I like Randolph. Randolph's good, don't get me wrong. But when you're not a team player and you got thin skin, yeah, he was great when he he walked around, when he got that contract and he was an all-star. But when you're not winning, you still got to play. You still got to perform when you're not winning. And when Randolph, I watched him go across the bench and how he talked about this waving his hand and all that. You don't need that. You're creating a problem. So, yes. I would take them draft picks that they saving for what reason, I don't know, and give uh, Jazz what they asked for to get my man over here who you just talked about. Donovan Mitchell? Yes. So, so you're 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 good. I mean, obviously, again, I think a number of, of Knicks fans feel the same the way that you do, Ronald, uh, in regard to uh, you know enough is enough with Julius Randle. You want him gone, but really, the big question mark is you know is 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 Don Mitchell worth four first round draft picks? Four first yeah. round draft picks. You're you're good with that. Yes, and I'm going to tell you why. We hold draft picks like we got dead money. We hold draft picks like that's a that's a reward. And don't get rid of. Everybody's getting rid of their draft picks. The Knicks hold their draft picks for what reason? Every year they keep saying, hold up, we got something. Hold up, we got just, – just trust us. And draft picks in there. 11 and 8? Come on. Okay. Uh, Ronald, thanks for the phone call. Appreciate it. Just a reminder, folks, if you're calling in the show – Please turn. We have a seven-second delay just in case um, I say a nasty word. Um, it, we want to make sure that it does. I'm kidding. Do you know Do you know this, Tom and Jacob? In all my years of doing sports talk radio, I've never slipped up, ever. Not once. Not once. Even and on TV? E- oh, gosh. Yeah, even on TV. Never. Never slipped up. And here's another thing. I, I like full disclosure uh, and I apologize for the parents who've got kids in the car right now. Like I curse, like, I, like, I, you know, I played, I played organized sports my whole life. I I'm, I've got the mouth of a sailor. Like I, like I just, you know, I, I curse. That, that's me. Right. My dad, 
um, God bless his soul. You know, he was just, he was just like, Anita, he's like, it's, it's just, it's so unattractive. It's so unappealing. Why do you curse? My dad never, ever, ever, ever. Uh, and my dad was a major athlete. My dad played bas- uh, football for university of Miami, huge track star, four lettered in high school, big athlete. I was like, dad, I play sports. Of course I curse. He's like, I, I played sports. I don't curse. You shouldn't curse. I curse. It's, it's just, it's who I am. It's, it's like, it's, it's my vocabulary. Like, like nothing. And so it's, it's really, it's amazing to me that I've never, ever, I've been, I've been, I've been hosting sports talk radio since 19, 1998. I was hosting sports talk radio down in Miami with Stu Gotts. We did a morning show together, not six to 9am down in Miami. So I've been doing this for a long time and I've never, ever, ever, ever slipped up. Not once, not once did a, did a board op ever have to, to use a drop on me. That's a proud so, accomplishment. I, I, yeah, especially, and again, considering that like it's part of my vocabulary, like nothing. Yes, you're absolutely right. It is. It is a huge accomplishment. I, I, I'm still, I'm baffled. I can't, I can't believe that I've been uh, perfect uh, in regard to um, not having to be dropped on radio. Um, but anyway, just a reminder, we've got a seven second delay here. So when you do call in, please make sure you turn the volume down on your radio dial. Uh, let's go to David in New York. David, you're up. Hey, Anita. Um, just a quick question here, and thank you for mm-hmm. taking my call. You had said something yesterday about the Tyree-KD relationship, and I just didn't really understand what you were expressing. Was it broken? Because one of the callers were saying that they wanted to stay together. Yeah, and, and, and this is really, really perplexing to me, David. And don't go anywhere. Don't hang up, because I, I do want to have this conversation with you. Uh, when when the news first broke on Thursday night, I, I was I was I was hosting from 7 to 10, and, and I had a quite a, quite a few people, you know, calling, you know, guests calling in, you know, like, uh, I want to say we had Bobby Marks. I want to say, um, we had uh, Tim Bontemps on and I asked them, how did we get here? Like, why is this happening? And so everyone in, you know, agreement said it was Kyrie not getting vaxxed. That was an issue. You know, that was, there was anger and resentment to Kyrie on both behalf of Katie and Harden, that they were upset that he didn't get vaxxed and then double folded that compounded by the fact that the organization then allowed him to come back unvaxxed and play on the road. And, apparent, so- and, apparent, and apparently, well, let me finish. And apparently Katie and Kyrie were not happy with that. And, 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 and there were other things, uh, you know, Kyrie lighting incense in the locker room apparently really ticked off Harden. Harden asked him not to do it. He didn't listen to him. There were, I mean, there's a, a number of things out there that were being reported. And Harden couldn't get out of, couldn't wait to get out of here faster. So if that's the case, and, 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 I'm, and, I asked, and, I, and I asked this to Bobby Marks earlier this morning when he was on with us, David, I don't understand. If, if Harden and Katie can't get far enough from Kyrie... How is it that 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 they'd want to play with each other on another organization or another team? I, 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 I'm perplexed by it, David. I don't understand. Got you. So I'm actually perplexed even further, right? So if, let's assume all that is true. I don't know. And I'm not on the side of KD or Kyrie. I actually dislike what both of them have done. Mm-hmm. But I'm looking at it from the organization standpoint, right? So if you know that your main guy is upset and Harden is upset with Kyrie, why do you trade Harden away and then – 
in keeping Kyrie wind up shooting yourself in the foot in now KD wanting to go. So from an organizational standpoint, why would the organization keep the cancer that's causing the other players that they care about as well to then go away and now they have nothing, right? So it just doesn't make sense from what the Nets actually executed from what your insiders are recording Kyrie was doing to the other main two players. You trade away Harden, you don't have KD now, now he's asking for a trade. It's just really, it just, it just looks really bad from an organizational standpoint. No. Well, also, David, I, I think, I think a lot of the decisions that are being made are financial ones, right? Um, okay. You know, I, I think, you know, I, I think a, I think it would, I think it was easier for the organization to trade Harden, especially knowing he wanted, and I appreciate your phone call, David. Knowing that Harden wanted to go to the 76ers, the 76ers. Um, you know, wanting, apparently Harden is very tight uh, with the general manager of the 76ers. That's really where, where his number one landing spot was. But for whatever, what, what other reasons, I don't know. That's not where he went. He ended up coming here to Brooklyn, but nonetheless, he ended up where he wanted to be. He's got such a great relationship with the front office. He opted out of his contract as taking $10 million less uh, in order to allow the 76ers to sign more players, even more so than P.J. Tucker. So, you know, that's a good relationship there. Um, so, I, you know, I, I, think, I think a lot of, well, then, you know, if Kyrie was the issue, why didn't, why didn't the, the Nets get rid of Kyrie? Well, maybe there wasn't. Uh, as big of a, a want or desire for Kyrie. Again, he had that opt-in, opt-out. Now that one-year deal at thirty-six plus million dollars. Uh, you know, maybe there was a bigger want and grab for Harden. The 76ers were willing to give the Nets what they wanted. Uh, I, I mean, I think so much can come into play here as to why the Nets made the decisions that they did. Let's go to Dan in Fort Lee. Dan, welcome in. Hey, Anita. Thanks for taking my call. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. I want to discuss two things. First off, respectfully disagree with what you said about Julius and how you appreciate it. Or sorry, you um, you understand where he was coming from last season. I'm not even talking about his, his numbers. Last season, his, his emotions, and I'm not even talking about the instance where he, you know, thumped down the crowd and all that stuff. But you can tell when the team was leading, when the team ends up winning, like he, he, he runs off the court. He um, he, he doesn't even participate in, you know, team, um, you know, situations where, you know, they're enjoying themselves, whether it's on the bench, if they're leading, what have you. So I just don't think he's in a position where he can understand and actually do the job, number one or number two. I don't think he has the, um, you know, ability to handle being a number three. And I think that has to do with the team management and how they're even coached. I think, to be honest, I think Tibbs is afraid to speak to Julius about um, his leadership on the team um, and how he needs to settle with being potentially a number three behind Brunson and Barrett. Um, I honestly don't even know why Tibbs is still, is still the coach. I think, you know, we saw what Obi Toppin did late in the season. These are situations that should have even happened earlier in the season where Tibbs just continues to play Julius. And, you know, I think that is essentially due to him maybe being afraid to bench Julius. Um, you could even see when the, the secondary team was, you know, leading uh, the charge in terms of comebacks, you know, he was afraid to keep those players on the court. And I think that's because he's scared to, you know, have those conversations with Julius. 
leadership and his coaching, as well as what you truthfully think of Julius in terms of uh, bouncing back this season. Yeah, you know, Dan, a few things. Uh, With all due respect, I find it hard to believe that a head coach in the NBA, especially somebody like Tibbs and his tenure and him being scared, I I don't know, I I would use a different word, uh, scared of of anything. Now, listen, we're we're in the communication business, and and I'll tell you what, full transparency, uh, top to bottom, ESPN, Fox, CBS, like, like there is such a lack of communication in this industry and we're in the communication business. Um, more times than not, I, I do find that there is a lack of communication in a number of, of really, really good corporations. And so, you know, I, I think I would imagine that the reason the Nets are in this situation is because of a lack of communication or miscommunication or no communication at all. Um, but to sit here and, 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 and I would imagine the same with, with the Knicks, but, but, I, I would, I'd be hard pressed to, to say that a coach, any coach is, if you're scared to address a player, if you're scared to communicate what needs to be communicated to a player, you, you have no business being a coach in, in any level. Can't be scared of a player. Can't be scared to communicate anything to a player. So I, I don't know if I would use the word scared. Um, you know, I, I think I think with Julius Randle, I think it's a situation like I, I think we're all in agreement here that Julius Randle is not a number one on any roster. Okay, not here. What he was forced to be a number one here, not this last year, but the year before, of course, uh, where the Knicks far exceed, exceeded expectation. And and again, as we know, they made it to the postseason. Unfortunately, they lost to the Hawks in the first round, and Julius had a horrible, horrible uh, series. Um, but I, I think, and again, my opinion, when you take a guy who's not used to being a one, forced to become a one, and has and had success and reaped the benefits of having success of being that one here with a team and an organization in New York City and how great this fan base is, and then immediately, like, on the drop of a dime, it turned. And him falter in, 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 in you know his performance in the postseason and then bleed into last year where again, I, I, I need, I feel we need to give the organization and Leon Rose and, and Steve and, and I, you know, they need some blame here in regard to the moves that they made. Bringing in Kimball Walker obviously was not the right deal. He's gone now. I do believe that Fournier is going to be traded as well. I don't think this is going to be the final roster we're going to see. Um, to start the season. And so I think those moves and, and, and the style of offense that was played here last year played into what Julius Randle does well. So I think it was compounded by what he had, what he had, had experienced the previous year and all the success and the accolades and, and all of that and to fall so far from grace and be and, and to become you know ridiculed and and, uh, and and all that with the fans, I just I think it was such a huge swing from a guy who isn't used to being a number one on a team and, and part of an organization. I just that my two cents. That's what I think. That's what I think happened. But I think with the roster that's that's being created here, especially and again we don't know talk speculation. The Knicks working out a trade deal with Utah, giving them four first-round draft picks. Uh, do they want other players outside of Julius Randle? Is it Toppin? Is it Quickly? Is it Grimes? Who knows? 
could it be Julius Randle if he goes? Then this conversation is mood point. But based on the 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 roster and the starting five in depth that I'm seeing that this organization in I'm envisioning can put on the court. I think that this is more of a roster that will accentuate Julius Randle's game and his play and can turn it around. That's what I think. What do you think? Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more, more than, than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C., Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. I hope everybody out there is enjoying um, the, uh, the horrible rainstorm that was expected to come in yesterday, last night. Did not, which was great. Uh, I know it's a little bit hotter than what most people like, but still... Um, it is 4th of July weekend, and so I uh, hope, again, everybody is enjoying themselves. Let's head back out to the phone lines. Let's go to D uh, in, in in Port. Is it Port Lee? Hey. Well, yeah, Port Washington. Hi. Port Washington. How you doing? Happy America birthday weekend. There you go, D. Um, Welcome in. <laughs> um, I, what you were saying before about Julius Randle, right, and that he, wasn't, he probably wasn't used to uh, or to be that number one player, but the worst thing that happened to Julius Randle was – COVID ending because once they started letting fans in that stands, that's when he kind of faltered. And what happened in that playoffs against Atlanta? He that's when the fans were back in the stands, and then he he faltered. And then when he wasn't playing good, he heard it from the fans. And then he and what happened? The Knicks probably thought, hey, we need we can't let him bring the ball up every time. We don't have another scorer, so they went and got him forty eight. Nerlens Noel had a year. They started giving all these bad contracts, and now we have a full year with fans in the stands. Now, all of a sudden, he's getting criticism. And a lot of players, like you know, they make their money because they get booed and they know how to answer the call. And then you have people who falter. And clearly, he faltered. He couldn't handle that stress of people booing him when he had his days off. He was so used to people not kind of going against him because he had no fans booing him when he had a night off because there was nobody there to let him know, like, that's how us as Knicks fans are, you know. And I just think now that Leon Rose and all those dudes are just trying to kind of pull back with the – I don't know, you you tell me, you know how analytics are so big. How did I not see how his game was when there was no fans to compare it to when there is fans in the stands? And he just kind of faltered. Now all the moves that they made, they're trying to get that money back because they now it's like we need that capital now with first-round picks because now we're just hoping for another star to be in a bad place and not want to be where he wants to be. 
And then we'd be like, all right, now we have capital that we can go get that guy. Because I think that we never took that first-round pick because Thibodeau usually gets that fault as we don't let the young guys play. And he probably wants, like, we don't want that pick. We need the money. Let's get those picks. Let's get some guys that I can play right now and win now instead of getting more rookies that he barely lets them develop anyway, if you see what I'm saying. No, I, I hear you. And, and D, you make, a, you make a good point in regard to the fan base being there. I appreciate the call. Thank you. Um, again, like I just, you know, to be, to be phenomenal, um, in, in, in any sport, obviously you need the athleticism in, in, in all that, but also it's a mentality. It's a swagger. It's, it's a, yes, you, you always, you always athletes who say, Oh, I don't, I don't care. I don't, I don't, I don't care what the fans think of me. That's BS. They do, they, they do care, but it's how you handle it. Right. Like, um, you know, and, and you've got to have a, you've got to have a certain mentality and, and a certain, um, thick skin. You got to be a duck, water off your back, got to be an alligator, thick skin. And, and when you're not used to being a number one, and then all of a sudden, like I said, very, very quick fall from grace for Julius Randle. I, I just think it was a lot. I think it was a lot, but I do believe that if he's on this team and he's, he's with, with, with the direction this, this team is going. And, and I think, the guys that are the starting five that are going to be on the court, and if Julius Randle is one of them, um, I, I'm optimistic for a comeback year for him. I, I, I really am. Maybe I'm being naive, but I really am. By the way, this portion of the show brought to you by Superbook Sports. Superbook is live in New Jersey. Visit Superbook.com for all the latest odds and promotions. Make sure when you have a problem gambling, call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is Click, 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 or Don't. Very simply, here's the headline. Are you interested in clicking or not? That's right. It's time for Click or Don't Click, a fun way. We take our tour around our wide, wide world of sport, and we find out what is trending at 1040 a.m. on this uh, July 3rd Sunday. So our producers typically lead the way. We've got uh, Tom and Jacob who are producing the show this morning. So, gentlemen, what is trending? All right, first up in the college football landscape, if you haven't heard, Anita, big news going on in college football as USC and UCLA are going to the Big Ten after leaving the Pac-12 in kind of what I would call a shocking move because I certainly didn't see it coming. But it appears that's going to be the direction of where college football wants to go. They kind of want to have these two big power conferences, that being the Big Ten and then the SEC. Of course, they just got Oklahoma and Texas not too long ago to join their conference. And what's going to be left for these other conferences? Well, the Pac-12 is, quote, exploring all expansion options, according to ESPN. Um, And then you've also got the ACC and the Big 12 that are worried about what's going to happen with their conferences, too, because they might end up losing some more people to either the SEC or the Big 10. So it's just a lot of shifting going on between schools and where they ultimately want to play and make more money for themselves. It's, um, it's, it's definitely wild. Um, you know, uh, in, in, and especially when, when you consider like USC and us and, and UCLA two power programs. Um, so, you know, for, for them both to, to get up and leave, um, I think is going to be significant. Now, keep in mind, this is going to happen overnight. This is going to be a process. It's not going to happen for a few years, uh, but, but brace yourself. I think there's going to be more to come. Um, you know, another thing is the whole transfer portal to me, like, you know, this compounded 
along with the transfer portal to me is, is, is just, is, is wild. It's, it's, it's this happening with USC and UCLA. It's the transfer portal. And also it's college athletes uh, being able to market themselves and, and make money, you know, just, just this week. And, and I, I don't mean to steal your thunder if Arch Manning um, is, is part of your, your what's trending. Um, but there were a lot of universities that, that wanted his services and he agreed to Texas. So Arch Manning, son, uh, nephew of Eli Manning and, uh, and Peyton Manning, grandson of Archie Manning, uh, number one player coming out of college, number one quarterback coming out of college, had a lot, like, could have gone to Georgia, could have gone to Alabama. A number of, of universities wanted his services, and he, he chose Texas. Just guys, like, you know, he very well, when it's all said and done, could generate you know, anywhere close to three, five million dollars as a freshman in college quarterbacking for the University of Texas. Now to sit here and say like, well, you know, like, is he deserving of that? I'm sure he is. You know, he's coming in that highly touted and, um, and, and whatnot. And for so many years is the debate and the argument that has been made that, you know, college athletes uh, deserve some type of compensation uh, it's it's really really going to be unbelievable, and, and you just imagine coming from that Manning family, the marketing team that he has be- behind him. I'm just throwing out three to five million dollars. Like I'm just throwing that number out. Could be a lot more than that. So I, I just share that with you to say that there is a lot of changes happening right now when it comes to college sports, especially college football. All right, Anita. Well, from uh, the gridiron to the diamond. Uh... Aces looks looks like he's gonna make his rehab start today. Can you take a guess? Um, one rom. I mean, it's it rhymes with LeBron. <laughs> <laughs> I just said Degrom. Yes, ma'am, you got it. Yep. Up, uh, Degrom will be officially making his rehab start today. He's expected to throw 25 pitches in two innings. This is the first time we've seen him since about last July when he went out with the injury. And this is a, it bodes well for the Mets, who are currently uh, first in their division and expected to win. They're currently um, minus 260 if you wanted to place a bet. I mean, that's not the best odds, but it's a pretty safe bet to uh, end the season to to win to win today or or to win on the season that doesn't sound hold on one second um uh, let me i want to i want to call that up it is I, uh yep minus 260 to win the division overall right to, to okay so so for the mets to win the world series is plus 750 okay for the for the mets to win the national league and be the national league team to represent in the world series is plus 350 Division winner um, is uh, is minus one seventy. So for folks that are listening right now, and, and maybe you know you don't wager, what is that? What does minus one seventy mean? It means that you have to lay a hundred and seventy dollars down to win a hundred dollars. So if you feel confident that the Mets are going to win the National League East, um, you right now could lay a hundred and seventy dollars, and if they do win the National League East, you get back a hundred dollars. That's what that means. The Braves, who've been winning. 
Uh, they're on their coattails. Keep that in mind. They're plus 165. Might not be a bad wager for you. I do expect the Mets to win the division. Oh, yeah. Especially now that, you know, you like you said, you've got DeGrom, who's uh, who's who's got a, a rehab start today. He's going to have 25 pitches. Hey, guys, uh, Scherzer returning Tuesdays against Cincinnati. So that's another uh, ace up their sleeve. Exactly. They... And, and listen, Diaz has been dealing, man. I mean, I don't, I don't feel that we're that we talk enough about Diaz. And he honestly just won NL Reliever of the Month, so this exactly, is a, this is a great for the Mets. And and just and just look how great this Mets team is 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 playing and what they've been able to do in their record without having you know all season their two aces. So you know, I know we sit here and we talk about how great the Yankees are, and, and don't get me wrong, they are, they are, they are tremendous, but. The Yankees have been rolling on all cylinders, checking all the boxes with everybody healthy predominantly, right? Like, you know, they've had Cole, you know, you know, Cortez has stepped up. I mean, he had a great, great outing yesterday. What? Six shutout innings he pitched. Um, Severino stepped up, you know, granted they just got Chapman back. He walked three yesterday, not, not his best performance, but we haven't seen him pitch since, since May. So just, you know, the Yankees are kicking butt and taking names uh, with you know the majority of the guys on their roster healthy, the Mets are kicking butt and taking names with their two top pitchers, their two top aces, not on the roster. Degrom all season long won't see him until after the All Star break, and Scherzer for over a month now. So, you know, I know I've been using this phrase a lot today, and that's marinating that for a minute. So. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm happy to open up the phone lines. I'm curious. 800-919-3776. Based on what you've seen from these two, these two teams this season in knowing that uh, the Mets, especially that Mets rotation um, has not had its, its two best pitchers going at it. Do you feel, do you feel that there is a chance there's a possibility that the Mets actually have the better team this season, better than the Yankees? I'm just throwing it out there. I'm curious. I'd, I'd like to test the temperatures of the water. What else do you guys have? Give me one more before we take a break. All right. We got one more quick story, and this comes from the U.S. Open. So if you haven't seen on Twitter, SportsCenter tweeted out a tennis highlight. It said this was cold-blooded. It was from uh, a match yesterday in the men's side. And there is a uh, Seahawks fan who is Seahawks for life um, on Twitter, um, and he replied, not a sport. So the U.S. Open account, they weren't tagged in this post, by the way, but they responded by saying, not a sport, says the person about to watch 17 games of Drew Locke at quarterback. Got absolutely roasted and ratioed. That has 70,000 likes just about on Twitter. And then the guy tried to ratio them again. And then I guess he put out a top 40 quarterback countdown. It's a horrible list, by the way. Um um, and the U.S. Open again responded by saying, remind us again, we're not a sport. Aren't there only 32 NFL teams um, to his top 40 QB countdown? Then they kept going on and on and on, and I believe DK Metcalf actually stepped in at one point and said, all right, guys, you got to chill to the uh, U.S. Open tennis account because they were uh, ratioing Seahawks fan for life so hard on Twitter. Um, I, I'm, I'm worried about that. I'm worried about that Seahawks team this season. Um, and, and just to call them up here for a second, uh, I, I want to I pull up their, their depth chart because, uh, which, by the way, Geno Smith, so, so not, not, not only did this guy get roasted, 
you know, obviously uh, on social media, but he, he, he listed, he named the wrong starting quarterback. Granted, it's going to be a quarterback competition right now, but if you look at, if you go on ESPN.com and you go to the Seattle Seahawks depth chart, Geno Smith, former Jets quarterback, Geno Smith is the starting quarterback for the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, there will be a quarterback competition between him and Drew Locke. Who wins it? Good question mark. Could be Geno Smith. He's been there. He knows the system. He played behind Russell Wilson. He's already got a leg up because, you know, he already knows the game plan here. And also there's Jacob Eason as their third quarterback. I don't expect him to start, but there's a number of scouts that actually do like him. Um, So just the quarterback situation is, uh, is a complete mess for Seattle. Rashad Penny is, uh, is going to be their starting running back. Okay. Um, Not a great offensive line. Tyler, if I'm Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, I'm miserable right now. I mean, this offense is going to be absolutely anemic, especially in that division that they're going to play in this season, right? Arizona, the Rams, um, but but also I've got some reservations about the 49ers because everything that we're hearing is that Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be traded. And, uh, And everything that I'm hearing as well is that Trey Lance is still not ready to start in the NFL and uh, very similar to it. You know, I, I find this interesting guys uh, when it comes to that conversation with Trey Lance, it's the same thing that we're seeing in green Bay with Jordan love. Jordan loves not. It's, it's, it's not just that Aaron Rodgers is, is arguably the best quarterback in the NFL. It's, 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 it's not just that it's that even if, even if, even if uh, um, Aaron Rodgers was not there, Jordan Love still would struggle at the quarterback position uh, for, uh, for, for the Green Bay Packers. The only difference is the 49ers gave away the world to move up and to draft Trey Lance where they did, where for the Green Bay Packers, Jordan Love fell to them towards the end of the first round, and then they drafted him. So, you know, th- there's a lot more pressure on the 49ers for Trey Lance uh, to be ready faster than what we've seen Jordan Love. But, you know, just just understanding the comparison there. Without further ado, let's bring in Christy Ackert. She uh, covers the Yankees for the New York Daily News. Always great to have you on, Christy. Thank you so much for spending time with us on this holiday weekend. Appreciate you. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? Thanks for having me. No, listen, I always tell people like, like my friends say, oh, you work, you work on the holiday weekend. Yeah. Good thing. Good thing. We love what we do. Right. Good. Thing because, <laughs> yeah. because we're always working on holiday weekends, uh, but nonetheless, let's dive into what's going on uh, with this Yankees team. Big win for them yesterday uh, against the guardians six, one, not just that uh, of course, four, 13 to four. So it was a double sweep yesterday. Cole, as well as nasty Nestor, that one, two punch, and, and let's start with, with Cortez there for a second because his previous two out, outings prior to yesterday uh, weren't outstanding. They were, they were solid, but not outstanding. We saw him uh, pitch six shutout innings yesterday. Of course, Rizzo Stanton uh, getting those home runs as well. But talk about Nasty Nestor and the season he's had so far. Oh, he's been great. I mean, I think he's been really good. And I, I think it's been kind of portrayed as a surprise, but I don't really think it should be a surprise because last year he was pretty darn good and he's gotten better. So um, he's been really good. And I think, you know, he's, I think we forget he's still young and he's still young as a starting pitcher in the big leagues. And, you know, teams were like the Rays have seen him three times, I think in four weeks or something like that, or two weeks. 
um, they were just hunting a cutter, and he missed. So, you know, he had a bad day. And, you know, he was going against guys who, who knew him pretty well. I think what you saw yesterday is a guy who maybe adjusted a little bit, adapted a little bit, and, you know, went back to what he knows he does well. Bigger picture here in, in this in, in regard to this rotation, they far exceeded what my expectation was coming into this season. Uh, gotta love what we're seeing from Garrett Cole, uh, obviously Severino, but we're going to be closer and closer, obviously, to the trade deadline, which is at the beginning of August, I think August 2nd, that is. And I know there's been talk and speculation about Cashman. I like to call it, Christy, I like to call it active and attractive teams that are going to be aggressive and not sellers, but buyers when we get to the get to the trade deadline. I know I want to hold off on talking about what they could do in regards to the lineup and the outfield, but do you see uh, any any new additions to this to this uh, this rotation as we get closer to the trade deadline? I think you're going to have to see additions to the rotation, but I don't know if they'll be external. I mean, the thing about Nestor is Nestor's never gone over 100 innings in the season. Luis Severino's coming off of 27 innings over the last three years. So whether it's a Herman, whether it's a J.P. Sears, you're going to see a lot more of them as we get closer to whatever their innings limits are. Um, So I would say, I think, you know, and I'll, I'll use Cashman's own words, you never have enough pitching. So if he can make a move to get some pitching, you know, ideally a guy who could start and be in the bullpen, you know, that would be ideal. I think they have it in Domingo Herman. Um, They have, you know, J.P. Sears, they have Clark Schmidt who can come in and make starts. So I I do think you'll see additions to the rotation. I just don't think – I don't think it'll be a permanent addition, and I don't think – I don't know if it'll be external. Um, again, Christy Acker joining us here. You can see her work all over the uh, the daily news covering all things Yankees. Let's talk. Let's talk about, of course, the bullpen now dealing with some injuries. On top of the fact that yes, they get Chapman back. Didn't look great. Three walks uh, in his first appearance since May. You want to believe that he's only going to get better, but at the same time, you got to really be happy with what we've seen from Clay Holmes this season. Talk about this bullpen. The bullpen's been very good. I mean, yes, they did, and they took a big hit last night with Ron Marinaccio going on the IL. He's been really fantastic. Um, I, you know, I would be concerned with what I saw from Chapman. Um, you know, the problem with him since the middle of last year has been his command, and he hasn't had it. His his velocity's gone down. His command has been off. And yesterday, when he walked off the field, he looked like he had no confidence. Um, he he was off the mound before Boone even got to the first baseline. He was walking into the dugout. So that would concern me. Um, Clay Holmes, Clay Holmes has been brilliant. Um, you know, Matt Blake did a really good job with him. Just saw that he had this excellent sinker, saw how he was missing with it, and just adjusted kind of how he targets it. And it's been incredible. I think he has the highest ground ball rate in StatCast history. I mean, it's it's better than when Zach Britton was throwing a sinker for, you know, in consideration for the Cy Young. He's been, he's been great. Um, really, really interesting to see, you know, how that bullpen progresses. Um, in regard to this lineup, now, I was really excited to see Andujar 
be called up. And, and, and he was obviously a, a big part of, of course, yesterday's festivities and, and performed quite well. I, I know he was really frustrated when he was sent down to, um, to the bigs. And, and I understand contract reasons why. Um, your thoughts on Andujar, and is he up here to stay? Well, they sent him down last night after the oh, game. Oh, no. Man. <laughs> so, you know, he's in, a, he's in a really tough spot. You know, they say you don't lose your spot because of injuries. He clearly did, you know, to Gio Urshela, and now he's got no pass. Um, I think yesterday was good for him. It was good for the Yankees because there are teams out there that value his, his at-bats. You know, I, I talked to a scout yesterday who said, yeah, definitely we would be interested. So, you know, they got a chance to show him off in a game in the big leagues. You know, I'm sure teams were watching, and, and that's that's something they could use at the trade deadline if they need to make a move. You wouldn't re- – I mean, and, and like I understand, like Gallo's been struggling, right? Like what has he got, like a one six five ERA, something like something ridiculous like that. Yeah, there, we peaks and valleys when it comes to Aaron Hicks. You know, we were just talking about, you know, Cashman and what he potentially is going to do as we get closer to the trade deadline. They definitely need to improve this outfield and get somebody out there, um, especially who's, who's going to help them at the tail end of this lineup, right? I think they would like to move Gallo if they could. Um, it's going to be hard to do, which is another reason why I think it was important what Andahar did, because maybe they can package him. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's it's... It's hard to watch Joey Gallo. You know, I, you can see that he tries very, very hard. He's just not a really good fit here. He puts a lot of pressure on himself. You can see that. And, you know, this just isn't a good place for that. So I think, yeah, they, I mean, they can't, they can't start him in the playoffs as he is now. So they would like to make a move to do that. I think it's going to be whether they can find the right fit. It's, it's really, you know, it's something that's not discussed enough uh, Christine, and, and that is having the mental wherewithal and, and the confidence in what it takes playing here in New York in front of this fan base and for arguably one of the best franchises in all pro, all, all of pro sport, right? So, um, you know, very interesting. Uh, really, really interesting that, that you hit on that when it comes to what exactly Gallo is struggling with. Uh, big picture here, right? Like um, we saw just a few days ago, this is a Yankees team. I know, they, I know they, they split the series against the Astros and then they lost to them in that one um, spot start, uh, two to one. But it's it's kind of gives you an idea, like th- those are the teams that the Yankees are going to have to play. And, and obviously the Astros is more than likely a team that they're going to have to get past in order to get to uh, the World Series. You know, what, your your thoughts on the narrative, well, they've, they've had a pretty soft schedule. The American League East really started the season in poor form, so they really haven't gone up against the best of the best. But when you do see them go up against the Astros, uh, they're, they're tight games. I mean, the two games that the Astros won, they won because they took advantage, of course, of, um, you know, the Astros' bullpen. Uh, but you can't count on that each and every game. So, so your thoughts as the season progresses and, and, and this team gets into the postseason, realistically, what do you expect from them, Christy? I mean, I, I definitely would, you know, at this point think it looks like, you know, that they and the Astros are back on a collision course. But I also think, you know, they saw the Red Sox once very early in the season. I think we opened the year with them. And um, they're much better. I mean, the, the, the Yankees' toughest competition in the second half isn't going to be, you know, the two more games they have with the Astros. It's going to be, you know, staying alive in the AL East. 
you know, uh, the Red Sox are, are going to be tougher. The Rays are eventually going to get healthy and push the Yankees. I mean, the AL, as we go across the country and we see these other teams, the AL East is just, it's the beast. It's, it's, it's harder than any other competition out there. So that's going to be their true test. We, I mean, we go, to Bal- we go to Boston after two games in Pittsburgh for next weekend. I think that's going to be a huge, huge, you know, t- not only test, but it's going to tell us a lot about, you know, where they stand. Absolutely. Absolutely. Chrissy, thank you so much again for spending time with us on this uh, holiday Saturday. Really do appreciate it and enjoy. Enjoy the rest of uh, your weekend, my friend. You're welcome. Thank you. You got it. Christy Ackert joining us here covers the Yankees for the Daily News. Let's open up the phone lines. Let's talk some Yankees. 800-919-3776. You know, do do you have some concerns? You know, we just talked to Christy. You got to feel really good about this rotation. Uh, Brian Cashman says you never have too much pitching. I do anticipate this Yankees team to make some moves, bring in some other pitching help. They're definitely going to need it, especially in the bullpen after some of the the injuries that we're seeing them have in, in, in Chapman. Uh, really disappointing performance yesterday. And then you look at this lineup. I'm telling you right now, as great as uh, Stanton, Stanton hit another home run, and Stanton and Rizzo and, and, and Judge have been, when they go up against the top-notch right-handed pitchers who, pitch, who, who, just, who are dealing, th- their numbers aren't great. And those are the type of pitchers they're going to be going up against when they get into the postseason. And then you look at the bottom tail end of this lineup, and I do, I, it is going to be hard to trade Gallo, right? And, and Chrissy made an excellent point. And Duhar, as great as he played yesterday, now, you know, does that, now you, you, you package and Duhar with a Gallo, a possibility, but need to improve the tail end of this lineup as well in order to really make this, this Yankees team a force to be reckoned with in, in the postseason. You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. 